Today we are beginning a new series in, uh, in John's Gospel. I'm going to call it Meeting Jesus. And we're going to find out a little bit more today. So if you will, turn actually to John chapter 20. We're going to begin at the end. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 20 in these two verses, uh, 30 and 31, and then I'm going to pray. So let's, let's dive in. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Lord, today and for the rest of our time in the Gospel of John, I pray that we would see Jesus, that we would come face to face with Jesus, and that just as John says, that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we would have life. So over the weeks and months to come, Lord, would you bless our time in this gospel that those who have faith would be strengthened in it, those who have not believed, those who do not have faith, would believe and be saved. Would you work your good and perfect will through your word by your spirit? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You, you may not remember this movie. It wasn't exactly a blockbuster, uh, but it was The Saint. Val Kilmer was in The Saint. I'm getting like some nods. Okay, good. All right. Now, my, movie, my, my memory of, these, of this movie is a little bit fuzzy. I remember liking it and watching it. And I remember at one time, I, I was watching The Saint with a group of friends, and there was a girl that I was interested in in this same group, right? And there's a point in the movie, towards the beginning, Val Kilmer's the hero, he's the saint, and what he does is he rescues the damsel in distress, right? And what he says to her, kind of in this moment where if she doesn't go with him, she's going to die, but if she comes with him, she might live, right? He looks at her and he says, again, fuzzy memory, but he looks at her and he says, trust me if you want to live. Trust me if you want to live. And I remember saying, that would be so cool to be able to say that to somebody, right? To be able to look at somebody and be like, trust me and you'll live. And the girl that I was interested in, her response to me was, yeah, but then you'd be Jesus. I was like, okay. That didn't work out. <clears throat> but that, in essence, is what John is saying. That if you want to live, there's one person you can trust. If you want to live, there's one person you trust. This entire gospel, John says, is for this reason. He wrote for this very reason that people would believe in Jesus and have life. And so what we're going to see this morning as we look at John's purpose statement, 
And see, we're going we're gonna to shoot back from here to John chapter 1 next week. But I wanted us to get in our minds as we go through this, we need to know why John is writing. You need to know why John is writing. And it's, it's this, for this reason, that life is found only when you trust in Jesus. Life is found only when you trust in Jesus. John says that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. Right? So this whole book is really a book of signs. It's a, it's a book of what Jesus did and a book of what Jesus said. It's a book full of miraculous, wonderful things that Jesus did that displayed his power and identity. But here's what we need to know. First thing is that all signs point to someone. All the signs in John's gospel point to someone. And the reason that's important for us to say is because we love the miraculous. We love the signs. We love the displays of power just as much as they did. I mean, just think about, think about taking your kids to the circus. Now, maybe you as a parent are no longer enthralled by the huge elephants that stand on one leg or the guy that can manage to ride a motorcycle around inside of a, a metal cage without dying. Maybe you're not impressed by that, but your kids are awed by it. Right? You just watch their faces and they're like, whoa. Right? That's what it means to go to the circus. We love that. We love to be amazed. You remember the, um, in the movie The Incredibles, if you haven't seen the movie, we've seen it a lot. In the movie The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible is a superhero, but he's, had, he's, he's forced to live a secret life as an insurance adjuster, okay? And no offense to insurance adjusters, Mr. Incredible believes he is destined for greater things. He is not too keen on the insurance industry, okay? So when we, find, when we see Mr. Incredible in the movie, like he is depressed, he is sad, and, and at one point he drives home in this car that's too small for him, and he gets out and he slips on a toy and he grabs the top of the car to keep himself from falling, which dents the car because he's Mr. Incredible and he can do anything. He's really strong. And he gets angry, he slams the door, breaks the glass, of course. Then he gets really angry and he picks the car up over his head. And it's when he picks the car up that he sees this little neighborhood boy on his big wheel just staring at him like this. He puts the, uh, puts the car down and he walks inside. Later on, that kid keeps coming around. Later on, Mr. Incredible loses his job and so he is, he is dejected and he is forlorn. He pulls into his driveway, he gets out of the car, and he's ready to head into the house, and he feels like somebody's watching him. And so he turns around, and he sees this little boy there again, and he goes, what are you looking for? And the kid says this, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. <laughs> right? And Mr. Incredible says, me too, kid. And he walks inside. That boy does get to see something amazing later on, but we're like that little boy. We long to see amazing things. But if we're not careful, we can just get wrapped. Jesus does, we are going to see Jesus do amazing things through this gospel. But if we're not careful, we can mistake the sign for the person it points to. We can fall in love with and attach ourselves to all of the amazing, wonderful things and miss the amazing, wonderful person that they point to. John tells us that all of the signs he recorded, he recorded so that we believe in Jesus. Jesus is the point. Imagine we've taken, our, uh, we've taken our youth group to a camp called Ridge Haven a few times. 
Our students love the camp. I love the camp. We have a good time there. And so, is Emily here today? Okay, good. So I can make fun of her because she's not here. So imagine, right, that we're taking another trip to Ridge Haven. Emily gets really excited about Ridge Haven. Emily loves Ridge Haven. Imagine as we're pulling into the campus, they have this really nice sign that says, Welcome to Ridge Haven Camp and Conference Center. Imagine if Emily said, You can just let me out right here. Do what? Yeah, just let me out right here. I want to I see the sign. Like, this is all I need right here. I'm just going to stay with the sign. One, I wouldn't let Emily out, but I would, you, you would think she was crazy because further up and further in, that's where the sign is pointing to, right? That's where the fun is. That's where the joy is. That's where the late nights in the cabin are. That's where the climbing tower is, the games on the field, the camaraderie. All that is Ridgehaven is further up and further in. The sign just tells you how to get there. Let's not miss Jesus or the signs. The signs are wonderful, but they point to someone. John writes these signs. From the wine to the resurrection, John records these signs in this book so that people will believe in Jesus. But what do we mean when we say believe? We mean this. Believing is trusting. And when I say that, I mean that believing is more than knowing. Believing is not less than knowing, but believing is more than knowing. Believing is a big deal for John. He uses the word close to a hundred times in the gospel. And right here he tells us the whole reason he writes is so that people would believe. But what does it mean to believe? Now you've seen this. You may have these in your home. If I'm, if I'm, what I'm about to say offends you, I apologize. Right? But like the picture frames... Or the little plaques that you can pick up in the Durban Farms boutique shop, right? That just says, believe. And it doesn't say anything else, right? Now that looks good on a picture frame, or maybe it looks good on a plaque, but it doesn't actually work in real life. That all belief, that all belief has to have its root in something. There is, no, there is no blind faith. Faith, whether it's in Jesus or in something else, always has a foundation, Believe it. If you're going to say that you believe something, it means that you are trusting something. You are resting on something. Belief has an object. To believe is to trust, to rely, to rest. We just said that when, as uh, we were, I was reading the membership vows to the shell nuts. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of sinners, and do you rest upon him? Right? That's what, our, that's what we believe. And so... To be a complete thought, that picture frame needs to say, believe in blank. And John wants you to confront whatever it is that's in that blank. What are you relying on? What are you trusting in? For me, growing up, it was family, right? You trusted in your good name. You trusted that. Uh, the fact that, came, that you came from a good family and that you did good things for people. And I was able to trust in that until my family proved that they were not good. And actually our good name was ruined. And, the, and so what happened was God took a very functional idol for me, my good name, and he took it away. Right? He removed what was in the blank. And over the course of the next few years, he replaced it with himself. 
What is it for you? What are you relying on? What are you trusting in? Is it your intellect? Is it your good record? Is it your good looks? Is it your skill as a Renaissance man? What are you trusting in? Jesus wants you to trust in Him. He wants you to bet your life on Him instead of all of those other things. Because here's why. Only Jesus gives life. But if believing is trusting, and so we need to trust something, everything else you trust will eventually bring death. Only Jesus gives life. John says right here, he says, I want you to trust someone. I want you to trust a person. I want you to trust a man. But not just any man. And this is what I meant by saying that believing is not less than knowing. Because what you believe about Jesus is crucial. Put another way, if you believe the wrong thing about the right person, it changes everything. So you can say, I believe in Jesus. But if you don't believe, as John says, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, if that's not what you believe about Jesus, then you will not have life. Because you're believing the wrong thing about the right person. You've got the person right, but you don't know him. You don't know who he is. See, in John's Gospel, lots of people meet Jesus. But only a fraction of those people get Jesus. Only a, only a fraction of those people believe and have life. Many of the people we're going to see that meet Jesus, come face to face with Jesus, they end up believing the wrong things about him. And they don't have life. And so John says, I'm writing so that you'll believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Identity is crucial for John. You remember these commercials? I think they were McDonald's commercials, but it had Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, two great basketball players, and the whole, like, all the commercials were like, off the building, off the fence, around the globe, nothing but net. And it was this competition between the two of them for these just outlandish basketball shots. And the reason it was funny and the reason it was believable is because, because both of them were out-of-this-world basketball players. So, right, the believability in the commercial is that when Michael Jordan said he could hit every building in Clanton and still sink the basketball, it's like, well, yeah, because he's Michael Jordan, right? And then Larry Bird would come back and say, well, I could hit every building in Chilton County and Shelby County and ring the basketball nothing but net. And be like, well, yeah, because he's Larry Bird, right? So you believe, right, identity is crucial. If me and David Gentry were saying that, it wouldn't be funny because it wouldn't be believable. Well, sorry, I don't know. But it wouldn't be believable for me, right? Identity is crucial. Lots of people say, trust me. Many people say, trust me and you'll live. But very few can actually deliver on that promise. And when we're talking about eternal life, Jesus is the only one who can deliver. John says this, Jesus is the Christ. That, that's the Greek word for the Messiah. It's an Old Testament word and it means the anointed one, the chosen one, the person chosen by God to rescue God's people. This Messiah, John says, is the Son of God, literally God Himself in the flesh. 
so we're going to see as we go through John's gospel that over and over again, Jesus claims things like, I and the Father in heaven are one. He claims to be deity himself. And he shows by all the things that he does and all the things that he says that he is who he says he is. So if you would have life, then you must trust the one who is the Christ, the Son of God. And here's why. Because he offers life. He offers life in his name and in no other. We talked earlier, okay, so believe in blank. Whatever, what, is it, what are those things for you that are in the blank? And what Jesus wants you to do, the reason Jesus confronts you with that is whatever you are going to put in that blank besides him is going to disappoint you. In fact, whatever you put in the blank besides him is going to kill you. When you trust in any other thing but Jesus, what you receive is death. It's death to us. Sometimes that death is physical. Sometimes believing, right, false worship, idolatry, believing in a false Savior will physically kill you. Sometimes that death is relational. Trusting false gods will cause a rift in your marriage or in your friendships or with your parents. And so there's a death in a relationship. So sometimes death is physical, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's emotional. When you're disappointed, let down, frustrated, angry. But every time, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, every time that death is spiritual. When, when God looked at Adam and Eve and he said, when you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. He didn't just mean physically. He meant that when you rebel against me, you will tear the fabric that exists between you and I. And in so doing, you will end your life. You will cause yourself great pain. You will cause those around you great pain. But ultimately, you will separate me from you. And when you do that, it brings death. Sin always brings death. And the bad news is, that's not a gap. You can't mend that fabric. Now, we're going to try. We're going to try to sow the relationship between us and God. We're going to try to make that okay. We're going to try to make amends. We're going to try and sew it back together. But the problem is we're tearing while we're sowing. We are continuing to rip the relationship between us, to widen the gap, and it's not a canyon you can cross, even with the best jump. And so what do you do? What happens? Well, in John's Gospel... And we're going to read in multiple places that humanity always chooses darkness rather than light and death rather than life. So what's the answer? The light comes into the darkness. The source of life himself comes into this world of sin and death and he puts on flesh. And he goes to war against sin and death and darkness. And he, by his own death, puts it to death. That's what we're going to see when we read John's gospel. That ultimately to meet Jesus means to meet God. But the God who took on flesh, 
and became man himself so that we would have life. Who bridges the gap between sinful people and a holy God. C.S. Lewis, he lived in the last century. He was an author, philosopher, poet, all kind of stuff. Really smart guy. He says this. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Do you believe it? Meet Jesus. Trust Jesus. Have life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to John to study, to learn, to meet you, would you reveal yourself to us? Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to come face to face with the living Lord and to believe and to be strengthened in our belief so that we would have life and so that we would be so enraptured by the beauty of Christ, so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus that we could not help ourselves, but that we would draw other men and women, boys and girls, to meet Jesus with us. We ask it in his name. Amen. Please stand.